You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's the end of the week. Welcome to the weekend. Friday afternoon, only a few hours away from the weekend for most people. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Auburn basketball, only about 24 hours away from the offseason as they're playing their final game of the regular season against Mississippi State tomorrow afternoon. We asked this question going into the Tennessee game last Friday. It's the same question going into this mall game this Friday. Where do we think Auburn's head is at going into this mall game? I think it should be in a good place. I think Bruce Pearl is going to have them with that mentality of, hey, we have a really good opportunity here to end this season on a higher note and get a win to go off you know, out into the rest of the season. We can put this season behind us, the season where – you had so much going against you where it starts with Sharif Cooper being ineligible. You had the Justin Powell injury. You had the Sharif Cooper injury. You have all you have a pandemic going on where you can't get as many fans into the jungle as you would like to have and have that home court advantage that you normally have. We can just put this one to bed, put this season behind us and move forward. But let's end it on a high note and get a win. I think Bruce Pearl is going to have the guys ready to play this weekend. It comes down to whether or not you believe the players in the press conference when they say they want to end this year on a high note and go into the offseason. I personally don't think it matters for Auburn's offseason momentum whether or not they win this game. I I mean, I don't either. It shouldn't. I don't either, but I still think they're going to come out hungry and want to win. I think that they're... And I agree with that. That's just that competitive mentality. I agree with you on that other statement, though. I don't think it matters in the grand scheme of things, but it does feel good to end the season with a dub well it's the last time they take the floor this season which I think after we've gone through a pandemic almost entirely you sit here and you think you never know when your next basketball game's going to come right and so I think or at least I hope that most people have learned or most people have have not taken for granted some of the great things that that we have come to enjoy in this country and sports are one of those things so I'm hoping these players go go out there and give it their all just because you're alive, you're well, and you get to play the game of basketball, a sport that you love. So I hope that they go out there and that they play hard against Mississippi State. The other half of this, I think this is a game that Auburn must be going into thinking we can win this game. It, it, yeah, it's a very winnable game for Auburn. It's also, I mean, Mississippi State's coming in and probably thinking, hey, we can do the same thing. They can end their season on a high note. It, in my opinion, I think it it comes down to which team actually wants to play and what it, what we are perceiving as a meaningless game. Which team has a fire for something to do? We all thought that Mississippi State hit rock bottom on February 13th when they lost to Vanderbilt 72-51. to At that moment, many of us were probably thinking that the team that was on a slide – 
I believe they were two and six over their last eight. They were plummeting towards the bottom of the SEC like leaded water, and then they lose to the team at the bottom of the SEC, seventy-two to fifty-one. That Vanderbilt team now has this. The right now that they are no longer last in wins in the SEC. The standings still have them behind A and M, who has dealt with all kinds of COVID issues. A and M two and seven in conference play. Vanderbilt at three and twelve. So by win percentage, there Vanderbilt in the bottom of the league but Vanderbilt since that moment they've rallied off with a couple of wins and that game against Mississippi State was just one of those 72 to 51 we thought Mississippi State had hit rock bottom since that moment Mississippi State must have took on the persona well hey the only way we can go is up they went up they're three and one since that moment they beat their rival Ole Miss 66 to 56 on February 20th that was a game that stifled Ole Miss's hot streak a little bit which is why Ole Miss is a little bit lower on the bubble than I think most people may have expected them to be when we saw them get on that hot streak. They beat South Carolina 69-48. to That's just dominance from a defensive perspective. Offensively, that's about what Mississippi State's been at this year. Average in points per game is 69.4, so they hit that mark in that ballgame. They then turn around and only lose by five to Alabama, which is a little bit of a legitimizer for me. Of course, Alabama can't play like they did offensively in that ball game and hope to blow out Mississippi State. And likewise, Mississippi State can't play like they did offensively in that game and hope to beat Alabama. They lose by five in a defensive contest that fit a little bit more in Mississippi State's play style than it did in Alabama's. Unfortunately for State, they couldn't find six extra points to pull off the upset at home. And then on the road, most recently on March 3rd, they beat Texas A&M 63-57. I don't hold a lot of weight on that because Texas A&M's been through some things between weather and COVID. That's a basketball team that, once again, at this point in time in this season, they've only played nine conference games. That's half of what everybody else plays in this league at the end of the regular season. This A&M team is completely in a dysfunctional place. They're out of rhythm. But... You do have to account for the fact that Mississippi too. State has righted the ship, and they're three and one over their last four going into this ball game against Auburn. And A and M, you know, through no fault of their own, they had a lot to deal with with the external factors that you mentioned through that game. Since Vanderbilt, Mississippi State's allowing on average fifty six point or fifty six and a quarter points per game. That's good. That's really good. If you're holding teams on average to fifty six points, that is impressive. The one. The one that really sticks out, you're looking at that Alabama score at 64. Even that's impressive because we know that Alabama at times can you know run you out of the gym with the, their ability to score. This team has started to play defense since that Vanderbilt game. I mean, you look before Vanderbilt, you're giving up 94 to LSU, 72 to Vanderbilt. Then something clicked and they said, hey, let's play defense and stop it. So that's, that's going to be something that Auburn's offense, especially if Sharif Cooper isn't there to facilitate this offense, they're going to have to try to get around what seems to be a very much improved Mississippi State defense. I'm interested to see how they manage that. Mississippi State not scaring anybody on offense, so with the amount of points they've been putting up here lately, will this be a good chance for Auburn's defense to go into the offseason and say, hey, we played a little bit of defense because they have been playing better defense as of late. I mean, they were an abysmal, there was an abysmal stretch of Auburn. It's the only reason why they're in games at the moment. Of course, yeah. I mean, with no Shreve Cooper handling the offense, your defense is hunkered down and been able to keep you in ball games. When at one point, 
it was the opposite. Auburn's defense was the biggest liability on the floor for him outside of them turning the basketball over. Now it's the offense. Yeah, now the offense without Sharif Cooper is the liability right now. They're not being able to score at the ability that they, they can because this team is talented offensively. Injuries aren't a good thing. Let me put that disclaimer up before I say what I'm about to say. I think, I think I know where you're going with this. Folks may take this the wrong way, but don't. The injury to Sharif Cooper may have helped the team learn how to play defense because it came out of necessity. Injury's never a good thing. I hate that Sharif Cooper got hurt, but the positive way to look at the injury to Sharif Cooper and all of these losses is now Auburn's learning how to play defense, and they've done it. They held Alabama to 39% shooting, only 70 points. They held Tennessee to 72 points, only 40% shooting. Before that, they were getting toyed with by opposing offenses. Georgia. That, that Georgia game is the, the one that always sticks out for me. Florida put L- up 74 on them. LSU, LSU put up 100. LSU That's the too. one that sticks out for me. Well, LSU is the obvious one. I just remember that they Georgia Kentucky, game. Kentucky, a terrible offense, score 82. And Kentucky at that point hadn't beaten a team that had scored 80 on them. Auburn did score 80 on Kentucky. Kentucky all year long hadn't beaten a team that had scored 80 on them. And then in that game, they finally got over that because of Auburn's defense. It's not good for Sharif Cooper to get hurt. I hate that for anybody dealing with injuries. But out of necessity, I think this has made Auburn learn how to play defense because it's kind of like sink or swim time man you just jumped in the lake you're about to find out if you're about to live or die and 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 Auburn is one and one in those games or well I guess Sharif didn't play in the Florida game either so they're they're one and two in those games without Sharif but scratch off that Florida game that was the first time that they didn't have Sharif since they've really gotten comfortable playing without Sharif they're one and one and I felt like they've put in fine results on the floor offense is going to struggle I understand that but from a defensive perspective they've locked in and I think they're learning how to play defense this could be good for Auburn moving into next season where we're all wondering if this team's ever going to learn how to play defense and that's something that they need to do if they're going to uh if they're going to have any type of longevity in an NCAA tournament run in 2021-2022 that is going to hinge on defense for me on next year's team we know they're going to be able to score but what does that defense look like they're young this year they'll get better at it next season but once again I, I still I think it's been a good thing a good thing that has came from the Sharif Cooper absence is that Auburn has been forced to learn how to play defense if they're even going to compete in basketball games. It's just a silver lining. You're just trying to find some sort of good in what is a bad situation. It's Anytime someone is injured and missing time, especially when it's a star player, it stinks. it's bad. It could be the, a bench player that doesn't even see any sort of reps. Injuries are bad. Nobody ever wants to see someone hurt and take away from their abilities to play the game that they love to play. But now Auburn can't be bailed out by Sharif Cooper's offensive prowess. Yeah, so they learned how to play defense. They figured, they, had they, they said, hey, they, they were either going to get blown out in every single in all three of those games, or they were going to learn how to play some defense and at least keep themselves in those games. Auburn was only down by five in the second half against Alabama. Because defense was able to hold them. They were able to put up a, against a very capable Alabama offense that at times can be great and very lethal. And Auburn was able to just kind of stunt them for times. Dude, you're, if you're down by five, if you're down by five in the second half against Alabama without your best player, someone is playing some good defense. 
I don't know if Auburn played well enough against Florida defensively to say that if they had a competent offense at the time, like if Sharif Cooper was there and they had that same defensive performance, then maybe Auburn would have won. They held Florida to 44.4% from the floor. I think they did. You know, I'll I'll go on and I'll say I think they held Florida, holding Florida to 74. If they did that while Sharif Cooper was out there, I think they win. I agree with that. But I I don't think that that's when the defense said, hey, we have to pick it up a little bit. I I think it's trended in a positive direction since that moment. That that Florida game, you could see it start to take shape at certain points in that game. And then the Tennessee game, for me, is the one where they really took a big stride and said, hey, we're going to have to play defense or we're going to lose badly every game from here on out. So the point I want to make is over the last three games without Sharif Cooper, this team has locked in from a defensive standpoint and I think in all three of the games they've played well enough defensively to that if they had a competent offense if they had Sharif Cooper out there leading them then they would have won those games I think Auburn's defense played well enough against Alabama earlier this week to have earned them a victory unfortunately they were minus 16 in the turnover column and the offense was as dysfunctional as we've ever seen them all season long and go figure we knew that we were we, we knew that was expected because Alabama is one of the best defensive teams in the country and that's a big part why they keep winning while their offense is a little cold at the moment so you can't fault them at the moment with all of the injuries that they've sustained at the point guard position they're they're down to as Sting put it yesterday or a couple days ago Sting said they're on their fifth string point guard they're down to Jamal Johnson. He's the fifth different guy to play point guard this year. He's a guy we didn't even know would play point guard ever on this I'm kind team. Of shocked at, I'm kind of shocked they took Auburn this long to get to Jamal Johnson at point guard because I think he's the most, uh, you know, just looking at the roster without, without Justin Powell and without Sharif Cooper, I think Jamal Johnson's the most like a point guard on this roster I, I I don't think that there's anybody else that looks more like a point guard than Jamal Johnson does out of this group I agree with that and I I just I don't understand what took so long I, I really don't why did it take so long to get this guy out here when you've had point guard troubles all year long maybe, I don't think there are any good ball handlers outside of Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell at the moment like consistently good ball handlers like that like B plus or above ball handlers I, I think after that I mean Alan Flanagan's a turnover machine Jamal Johnson, I don't feel great. When, when he when he is in that point guard role, Alan Flanagan, when he's in the point guard role, he's That's a right. turnover machine. I, just, I don't want anybody to think that we're knocking Alan Flanagan the player. It's we're just knocking, the truth. We're knocking Alan Flanagan the point guard. I think he's second on the team still in turnovers if he hasn't surpassed Sharif Cooper with some of his recent games. But we'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Sting, you ready for crunching the numbers? All right, we're going to give it a little bit. He's still compiling some awesome stats for us. Intern Sting behind the board today and uh, we'll have our crunching the numbers with sting segment coming up later on in the show the finance major in the house who knows his way around a calculator and crunching some numbers for us and so we'll get some interesting numbers about this game against mississippi state and possibly some auburn baseball numbers as well i'll charge that to you as well sting if you can find some numbers on baseball too as auburn baseball on a major series this weekend 
against top 25, top 20 opponent, Boston College, thrust into this matchup with Boston College. We talked a little bit about what Boston College does well yesterday. They've got some decent arms. It looks like their bullpen's pretty good by the team ERA and the individual ERAs that we've seen on their stat sheet, but they've also got some hot bats, especially at the top of the order. They got four guys that bat above 300 that are consistent bats in the lineup. They've got some power. They've got some bats. They've got some stars when you're talking about Golden Spikes Award watch list candidates. This is a good Boston College team. They're sitting at 6-1 and one on the year. Just took down 11th-ranked Duke last weekend. Two out of three games there. This team's legit. I think the most legit team Auburn has played to this point. Oklahoma's a good baseball team. I think Baylor's a good baseball team. I'm still undecided on Texas A&M at the moment. But I think over the course of the weekend, Auburn did play tough opponents. This by far will be Auburn's toughest challenge to date what about boston college do we feel like is the biggest challenge auburn is facing this weekend i mean i think if you're looking at it from just if you're looking at it from what the team is in auburn and what they're going against i think you're going to worry about boston college's ability to hit the baseball and put in runs simply simple for the fact that you gave look baylor you gave up a lot to baylor baylor can hit the hit the ball as well but also you got some pitching injuries how's green hill gonna how's green hill gonna feel we were unimpressed with richard fitz well this is the best hitting team auburn will have faced out of all of the yep. teams on their schedule aside from baylor baylor came into that game batting 333 a look at boston college's team statistics here at the plate they're batting 296 yeah i mean it's that's just how it is they're they are what they're one of the better hitting teams that Auburn's face. Like obviously, when you look at the stats from it, Baylor was the better team going in in terms of hitting the baseball. I'm just worried about Auburn's pitching versus that hitting. I think that from what we saw with Richard Fitz on Saturday against Baylor, that scares me. What we saw with Cody Greenhill getting injured does that nag him a bit? I don't think it does. He's does not it? on the mound this weekend as so a starter. He's not at all. Okay, the probables so yeah. this weekend for Auburn today. The Friday starter for Auburn junior righty Richard Fitz with that 6.7 ERA because of what happened in that Baylor game on Saturday it'll be sophomore righty Mason Barnett with a 1.69 ERA which to me means no bullpen roll for him on Friday which hurts the Auburn bullpen for this Friday game so you're now putting more pressure on Richard Fitz to go longer Levi you look confused I'm I'm interested in why who, who's the problem for Sunday then it's Trace Bryant it's, it's right I, I don't understand why you wouldn't swap those two around maybe maybe I'm missing something I would rather have Mason Barnett start the Sunday game which gives you an option to bring him in as a, on a closing role on Friday sure like I, I understand I, that, that point that makes a little bit more sense for me I mean I, again I'm not the coach I'm not going to question what they do it's just for me personally I think I would they rather must like Mason Barnett or trust Mason Barnett's arm in this situation because mm-hmm. he's more tried and true at this point than Trace Bright is against tough competition Mason Barnett has seen more and better bats over this season than Trace Bright has but I understand where you're coming from. Trace Bright did shut down an SEC opponent in Texas A&M this past weekend on Sunday. He's the reigning SEC pitcher of the week right now. I think they're just trying to ease him in to the weekend rotation. I I, I agree with that. I think, but he's getting the, his chance. He is getting a chance. This could be really big for Trace Bright. That's something I'm looking forward to. If he now puts that he's it on starting. lockdown. 
I could see him Sunday starter rest of the season and that'll allow Mason Barnett to go back to the pen but we also have to consider Jack Owen coming back as well and then Greenhill will be back too so Auburn's going to have a wealth of arms on the weekend what has been a depleted unit for Auburn now will become a little bit more depth if Trace Bright if Trace Bright steps up this weekend on Sunday I think it's, if any of these guys, I think if all of these guys have yeah, good weekends. I mean, the last time we got a look at Mason Barnett, at least the last time that I remember looking at him, was Friday against Oklahoma, and he blew the save. That's true. Richard Fitz, the last time we saw him. Saturday, Ooh. rocked Absolute by Baylor. Shelled, as the you, Bears as you mauled him. The Bears mauled him. And then Trace Bright, the last time we saw him, he did great against A&M. Can he follow it up, or was that just an apparition? He didn't get too many strikeouts, wasn't wasn't missing bats, ball was put into play. Was that more of it was just being hit to his guys, or was he actually drawing some of these? Was he, pitch, was he pitching for that contact, or did right. he just get a little bit of lucky break with how they were hitting the baseball? And he's going to be tested by this lineup, as you've already pointed out. 296 is what Boston College, I would agree with you, this pitching staff right now depleted, but I'll say this, it's a huge opportunity if all of these guys step up and Auburn has a good weekend throwing against Boston College and these guys, you know, th- this is duct tape right now on an Auburn pitching staff, but if, if this thing holds together, if the flex seal doesn't break, if the, if the boat truly works on water, if this thing stays afloat, then you should be excited out of this world about what Auburn will have in terms of wealth of arms moving forward in their pitching staff because Greenhill's looked fine he's looked good in his two starts I think Uh, obviously he hasn't gone farther than five innings but that's partially due to an injury he was he was rolling against Oklahoma he's looked good Greenhill's looked good Owen he's the the he's the old man on this in this staff he's the guy who's been starting he was one of the he was the only returning starter that has been in this role before and we haven't even gotten to see him yet but you hope he's just fine coming back from the injury but a dislocated finger you'd think that that, you, you work you, you back that doesn't affect you in terms of arm fatigue or anything like that you expect to work back fine there and then whatever you want to do on Sunday I would imagine you'd go Trace Bright or Rich but then again I, I just I just forgot about Richard Fitz so well you forgot about Richard Fitz because he has been underwhelming as you've seen this year in this starting role so your your weekend probably looks like it did at the beginning of the year with Green Hill Fitz and Owen in whatever order that you want to do maybe Fitz if he continues to underperform, maybe he goes all the way to Sunday. I don't know. But then you got Trace Bright now that you can still use in the midweek, which is going to help you lock down some midweek wins, which you really need. And then he's available for you in a long relief bullpen role, which is huge for this team moving forward. And then, oh, by the way, Mason Barnett's still in the pen. Carson Skipper's looked pretty good. Auburn has SEC championship caliber amount of arms trying to figure out how to word that properly Auburn has an SEC championship caliber depth of pitching if they can get them all playing at a high level consistently and at the same time right they've got (laughs) enough arms to go deep in an SEC tournament like setting in an NCAA tournament like setting but they haven't they haven't put it all out on the field yet on display as evidenced by Richard Fitz 0-1, 6.75 ERA. But if he lives up to what he's been billed as, well then, like I said, you look at the depth of arms. Some of these younger guys, you know, I haven't even brought up a guy who's been in the program for several years, Brooks Fuller. He's not a bad reliever either. They have more than just those seven guys that I listed, seven, eight guys that I listed 
there's a lot of good arm talent on this on this Auburn pitching staff. But those seven or eight guys that I listed have the potential to be good and consistently good, and then maybe you've got a hit or miss outing from some of the fringe guys beyond like a Peyton Glavin or a Brooks Fuller but even those guys have given good innings in the past especially Peyton Glavin so you look at this Auburn staff it's deep they've benefited from the fact that all of these guys have been in this have been on this roster been on this team they benefit from the fact that COVID rules allowed everybody to come back and it didn't matter last year they're deep now they've also got to get the bats going as well Auburn's skewed a little bit statistically right now Auburn leads the country in hits with 106 runs with 88 and they're second in batting average at 361 okay. it's all because of the Alabama I, A&M I say, series there, there's this term in math called the outlier when you're looking at averages and whatnot scoring you know 30 plus runs in one game will skew that data for you in terms of just team totals in terms of all that Alabama A&M game is going to skew that drastically Auburn got a culture shock last weekend with the Round Rock Classic. I agree. They went from Alabama A&M pitchers to Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas A&M. Now, they missed the midweek entirely because of rain. They now head into this Boston College series where there's some good arms. I think it's a I think it's a staff they can hit, but equally, I think it's a staff that could also provide them a challenge and the challenge that they need to develop as a group at the plate to improve and actually get more comfortable about comparable SEC talented arms, right? Like this team needs to start showing that they can hit consistently against teams like Boston College because they're going to face pitchers that are even better than this on a consistent basis in our league. So you would think that you're having to play a tougher weekend series over Xavier, and you're most people are going to go, oh, how do we get so unlucky now we have to play a top 25 team? I think this is you and you said this earlier about the pitching staff I think just for Auburn in general this is such a great opportunity could be bad for my perception though because if they yeah, lose if they, two out of three again and they looked bad doing it then I'm gonna be like well but guys still, I don't think Auburn baseball's that good right now they've got talent but as a team they're just not that good it's just a good opportunity to see what they are it's from a fan perspective I mean it might it might end up bad you might oh, have this a bad is perspective the what are you made of weekend last yeah. weekend was the baseline weekend you, you you got a good look at what this team was like right then and there it was a measuring stick game this is the what are you made yep. of this is where, this where, is, where what just, are you now yeah what do you have what do you have to to give and bring to the table you just got punched in the mouth last weekend what do you got are you gonna throw back here we go. We got more of On the Line coming up on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. ESPN 106.7 truly is Auburn Opelika sports leader. We now feature seven straight hours of live local sports talk from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. every weekday. The Max Roundtable with Doug Amos and Charlie Trotman airs 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. On the line with Noah Gardner follows from 2 to 4 p.m. And The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck finish strong from 4 to 6. No one offers you more live local sports talk than ESPN 106.7 auburn opelika sports leader it's time for crunching the numbers with sting he's ready he's got all of his math done 
He's finished punching it into the calculator. Sting, welcome into the show. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Noah. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, my man, always. You're our, uh, you're our numbers geek in the room. How you doing? Oh, I'm yeah, you're good. Yeah, so what, good. what are I mean, the numbers going? I don't know why I said, how you doing again? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Friday, so I'm, I'm pretty great. That's good. But, That's good. Yeah. So we'll just go ahead and uh, start with basketball here. I don't know. I've been looking at stuff, and Mississippi State really kind of reminds me of Tennessee. We spent a lot of time talking last week about how slow Tennessee plays. I believe Ken Palm has Mississippi State ranked at a 279th in tempo. I may need to fact check that, but... So very slow, and they also have not reached 70 points as a team since February 10th. So they're really low scoring. That's a big product of their tempo right. and their style of play. I'm looking up Mississippi State right now on KenPom.com, and I spelt it with three S's, so that's nice. why Command F did not work. <laughs> Let's see. How have, I, how have I misspelled it this time? All right, we'll just restart here. Miss. Mississippi State. Alphabet. There we go. Alphabet and spelling lessons from so, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. That's right. And then, and then Sting's over there. And if you're and if you're good, I might ask you how you're doing twice. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Auburn 66 in Kim Palm's rankings. Mississippi State at 65th in tempo. Massive difference here. 297. You are correct for Mississippi State in possessions per game at 66.2. Auburn at 71.7. That's got them all the way up to 49th in the country. So even what you may think is a small difference in possessions at at five, there's there's a lot totally of totally different that, style. It's 100, and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum in the country and how many possessions you're playing. Auburn playing at a much faster style. Mississippi State much slower. This is a clash of styles going into this game. But I say that Mississippi State right now. At that tempo, a big factor of the reason why they don't score. What what was that stat again? How how much? Oh, uh, the, they have it broken seventy points. Is that, that one right? And a and a big part of that is because of how slow they play. They're not the most offensive or offensively efficient team in the country. When you look at them statistically on KimPom.com, they're one hundred and eighth in offensive efficiency. Pretty bad, especially for a team that plays the game that slow. You see, it's almost more important that you're more efficient when you're a slow paced team because you have less possessions and less opportunities right. to score. You to make them count. So if you're not making them count, you're going to lose. Right. And Mississippi State has been losing by that margin more times than they have. Well, I say that. They're 14 to 12, but it seems like an SEC play, which is true. An SEC play, they have lost by that style of play more than they have won by that style of play. Yeah, by one game. And, you know, just sticking on this whole 70-point thing, I remember same deal with Tennessee last week, I believe, they were four and five when their opponent scored seventy points. I guess now they're four and six. And Mississippi State, when their opponent scores seventy points, Mississippi State is two and four. Hmm. So, so it's the way to beat them. It seems like speed yeah. them up and score. Mississippi State's going to struggle. They're a young team, just like Auburn. We were talking on the show yesterday, saying that this is the team you want to play. I think you'd rather play this team than Vanderbilt, even because Vanderbilt can score. And right now, I think your defense. Auburn's defense is playing much better now. We talked about that in the first segment of today's show, but I still think I'd like to play the the worst offensive team here when you're talking about how bad Absolutely. Auburn's offense has been at the moment. These two teams struggle on the offensive end of the floor. This is the exact matchup you if you want for Auburn because your defense is going to be able to hold Mississippi State to a to a functional and and, and, a, and a reserved amount of points. Still, you know, in the 60s. If Auburn keeps Mississippi State in the 60s especially on their home floor, I think Auburn can find the points that they need to win this ballgame. In your preview article for this on RadioAlabamaSports.net, where folks can find this information, 
you said Auburn needs to hit 70. That was their key to the game. I, I would yeah. agree with you there. Yeah, I, I think so. It's just like Tennessee reminds me a lot of that game. And, you know, it makes it even more important to score 70 because in the three games that Auburn has played without Sharif Cooper, they haven't even scored 60 in two of those three. So, and this, this is going to be a hard matchup with that defense. Mississippi State's a lot like Ole Miss. Both those teams like to control the tempo. Yeah, Mississippi schools just, right now are playing some of the best defense in, in our league this year definitely. in terms of at least opponents' points allowed per game, but also a defensive efficiency. Mississippi State, a top 40 team, the 39th on Kim Palm's rankings. So when you look at this style clash here, Auburn, a team that wants to get out and run, doesn't really – I mean, they're, they're a somewhat efficient team offensively according to the rankings, but without Sharif Cooper, they're definitely not. This team wants to get out and run and try and score as much as they can typically. That style of play has been tweaked a little bit. I actually think it's gone in the direction more to be like Mississippi State where they've they've still tried to run, but without a capable ball handler and point guard, that slows down a little bit. And now they're forced to lock in on the defensive end of the floor, out-rebound your opponent, close down possessions, and uh, try and grind them out a little bit. And on the home floor, that worked against Tennessee – because their offense found the points when they needed to to win that ball game, and they found them at the free throw line. I once again go back to that. If Auburn's going to win this game, I think they're going to have to get a lot of help from the free throw line because Mississippi State's good enough to lock Auburn out of their own baskets, even at home. Yeah, all right. So now we can head over to the uh, baseball diamond for the Boston College series. I'm really excited to see how Auburn does against Boston College because this is obviously just a premier opponent. I'm terrified. Because I don't want to leave this weekend thinking that this is a bad baseball team. but uh, That's true. And maybe that's premature, but look, at some point we have to start formulating opinions on this baseball team and other baseball teams around the country. And yes, it is early, but if I'm going into SEC play and Auburn lost to all the good teams that they played in the non-conference, how can I have any confidence whatsoever in that team going into the Ole Miss series? No, uh, you're, not going, you're not going to. You're not going to be with every single – every time they played against a legitimate opponent – if they were underwhelmingly, you know, be like, especially if you drop, if you drop two out of three this weekend or get swept out, you're not going to have any co- confidence going into SEC play. I want to see Auburn succeed as as much as the next guy, but I'm not going to allow bias to cloud my judgment here when I when I'm evaluating this team at the moment, and, and they got to show me something. I, I don't know if they've shown me much at the moment to where I'm even confident going into this weekend. I'm terrified, like I said, I'm terrified. But Sting, what you got? Yeah. Okay, so Boston College is six and one. They've only played one game at home. They're five and that one is on right. the road. Northern they, teams, that's common. We pointed that out throughout the week. The their thing. one game at home is their most recent game against fellow Northern team Rhode Island. Right, yeah. And they had two series against Charleston Southern and Duke, five and one in those. And Auburn leads the all time series against Boston College three to one. They won a series in two thousand four. And all three of Auburn's wins against Boston College have been decided by exactly one run. Oh goodness. All of them. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Maybe yeah. like that this weekend. These two teams come in probably. I don't know what the rankings looked like back then. I don't know what Auburn was like in 04. Maybe I should go and research that real quick now that you've given me that number. I'm going to go see where Auburn was at. But I would be willing to say that Auburn probably, Auburn and Boston College probably are going into this game better than they were in 04. Probably. I, I, I would agree. <laughs> Uh, yeah. At least both of them at the same time. Maybe Auburn was better than Boston College at that point. Levi, get me BC. I'll get Auburn. Can you can you do that for me? Well, I, I, I see what uh, ranking Auburn was uh, back in 2004 at that time in February. So Okay, so I'll get Boston College then. What, what was going on with Auburn baseball at that time? Well, Auburn was ranked number 10 in the country at the time. Excellent. Uh, at the so, time of then. So Auburn was not 
Uh, Auburn was better back then than they were now. So let's get 2004 Boston College baseball schedule. Oh, that was the season opening series. Yep, that was that was the one. That was the beginning season right there. Boston College went 32 and 27. So not as good of a Boston College team, maybe. Uh, I'm looking at the Boston College schedule from 04, and I I know this is somewhat common, but they, they on here it's the Boston Red Sox <laughs> out of Fort Myers, Florida, <laughs> spring training. That's exactly what? what that is. They played them in spring training. Wow. Hmm. They took wow. the L. They took the L nine I, to three. I, I would. I, it was an exhibition I assume, though. I would assume that they would take the L on that one. It was listed as an exhibition game, I believe. But yeah, this Boston College team wasn't that good by the looks of it no. on their schedule. I think Auburn finished 32-24, I think is what it And this said. Boston College team was also way back then in the Big East for baseball. Oh, wow. Wow, that's, oh, that's how the times have changed. Yeah, Auburn was 32-24, wow. 12-18 in conference. I don't That top 10 tag might not have carried. It didn't last. I, I'm going to assume I'm going to assume it did not carry throughout the season sure. for the rest of that. Just looking just purely based off of what they did during so the maybe schedule. these programs are in a better place than where they were back in 04 and uh i think and so maybe, maybe these two teams are better talent wise than when they last met in the season opening series in 2004 sting you got anything else baseball yeah i want to talk about boston college's uh, top two hitters at the moment for a second here first uh, junior center fielder sal Freilich. i hope i'm not destroying I went the with pronunciation Freelich. yeah i'm not sure i'll go I'm with Freilich. <laughs> okay. well it can't be that it's an e hey <laughs> you don't know that be. <laughs> leads Boston College in batting with a 469 average. And Boston College's first baseman, Jack Cunningham, much easier name to say, has nine hits in the last four games. Ooh. I'll go with Frolic. A bit of a – yeah, Frolic. Yeah. He might be frolicking against Auburn pitchers this weekend. Might be frolicking across the diamond with that 469 average. I think Freelich I, – I need to check this. I believe Freelich is a golden spikes – I think so. Candidate, he is. I Sal Freelich, actually might be. Junior outfielder, named to the USA Baseball Golden Spikes Award preseason watch list. And yes, he does lead the team with that 469 batting average. Why do you want to play with Golden Spikes? You're, they're just going to get dirty. You're going to devalue the gold. I think that's something you put in your trophy case, my man. <laughs> he's got 15 hits on the year and seven games played, so he's he's doing that two hits a game kind of pace like you mentioned about Cunningham who has the nine hits uh across his last four games you said yeah well that means he had a really bad start to the season because uh he's played in seven games and according to the stats he's only got nine hits yeah so. I believe he was 0 for 10 instead of an opening weekend just had Ooh. a bad start oh, not good at all it's not Charlton good. Southern seems to have knocked off Ugh. the rust if you ask me though that is true that is true fourth and or fifth in team's total bases man 0 and 10 Ugh. We'll be back with more of On the Line. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Back on On the Line, Noah Garner and Levi Fitzwater with you. On ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up hour number one here. But before we do, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Welcome to the weekend, everybody. It's Friday, and that means a new episode of Shark Tank on ABC at 7. Head over to AMC at 7 and catch the original Ghostbusters movie. Clear eyes, full pans, can't lose. Who said the Gold Rush ended? A new two-hour episode of Gold Rush on Discovery at 7. You'd think after two movies, they'd stop messing with Liam Neeson. Taken 3 is on FX Movies at 7.05. Speaking of people you shouldn't mess with, John Wick Chapter 2 is on Sci-Fi at 6.30. A pair of Indiana Jones movies are on Paramount starting at 5.30 with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and at 8, The Last Crusade is on. Get Friday Night College Basketball started at 5 on ACC Network with Boston College at Miami. Following that game on ACC Network at 7, it'll be Georgia Tech at Wake Forest. Over on ESPNU at 7 as well, catch Jacksonville State at Belmont. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. Continuing with some crunching the numbers with Sting that we're doing in that previous segment. So Sting, welcome back onto the show once again. Ooh, we found some other interesting segments. that's right. We found some other interesting baseball statistics going into this weekend. One of which was Boston College has a hitter that has been walked ten times, which is outrageous. That's over one a ball game. That leads the team beyond any other player. I think the next closest is six with Jack Cunningham, who you already mentioned, went 0 10 in his opening weekend series. So I just thought that was something to add. I just, that caught my eye on the box score was the 10 base on balls there for Cody Morissette. He's batting 186, but he's got 10 walks and his on base percentage is 405 and towards the top on the team. Like, that's ridiculous. But also add to that, this Boston College team liked to run the bases. I say liked in the past tense. They're 16 for 18 on stolen bases, but Sting, you uncovered something about that on this team running on those base paths. 13 of those 16 successfully stolen bases came in the opening weekend against Charleston Southern, who they swept. So So since then, they've played four games. Yes, and so that works out to five stolen base attempts, I believe. Across those four games, so a little over one of an uh, attempt, and then they are a little under one successfully stealing a base in these yeah. ball games whereas statistically right now if you look at them it's deceiving it, is it says that deceiving. they you know right now you look at it they're they're averaging a stolen two stolen bases a game right now but that's actually not the case since they've played some more substantial competition since that charleston southern series not even uh you know only attempting barely a, a steal a game and then they're only successful on under one again they're three for five since that opening series so yeah however though from 2016 to 2019, Boston College did rank in the top three in the ACC in stolen bases per game. So and this team lo- lo- looks like they might want to run. Yeah, they, I think they want to try, right? And then in 2019, the last full season of college baseball, Boston College led the ACC with 1.62 stolen bases per game. So let's see what these guys behind the plate can yeah, do. They may just Stephen not Williams or, or LaRue or, or Dial. Let's see what they can do. Let's see if they can dial it up throw them down over at second let's see if these guys have run on something like an sec catcher before right someone with a cannon Stephen williams has an arm i mean he, he was playing out in the outfield let's just be real so sting appreciate it my man those were great numbers today as always thanks bud thanks wrapping up our number one here on on the line we got about four minutes left yesterday we did a bracketology segment today we're going to do the other half of that bracketology segment that we didn't get to because you and i were arguing over duke let's get into it with alabama and the conversation with these crimson tide team we've seen them across many bracketologies joe lenardi right now has got them as the highest ranked 
two seed at the moment, which means fifth in the country when you're talking about how this committee is going to rank these teams. They're going to rank them 1-68 to in a snake order, and that's how it's going to be seeded for the NCAA tournament. That's how these regions are going to be determined. So the best two seed will be with the worst one seed. So it matters this year more than it ever has when it comes down to how they scrub these rankings out. They always use use the scrubbing process, but I think sometimes that they a lot of this hinges on regions and locations and and also trying to generate favorable round of 32 matchups. They're doing it for TV and money and and trying to, you know, sell matchups in the second potentially even onto the sweet 16 in terms of rounds. So in the past, that has dictated, I think, some of their scrubbing process and how they've matched teams up. This year, that will not be the case because they are all in the same uh, they're all in the same bubble in Indianapolis, which is where the tournament's being held, and they're kind of doing a a snake and S curve seeding process where once again the the best one seed will have the worst two seed, and then so on and so forth. It's like a snake draft if you've ever done any fantasy sports before you you definitely pick up what i'm putting down so it's significant that this alabama team's getting put in the region that's got the worst one seed but i think a lot of these one seeds are really talented so kind of pick your poison but that, that's nonetheless the, that's the tough part that's that those one seeds are ridiculous it's funny though because i want to make this point and i've done this several times already i think that this may be one of the weakest two seeds in terms of how we've seen someone playing at this point in the year we're not accustomed to seeing a two seed playing basketball like this at this point in the year. Typically, some this Alabama team is talented, but I don't think it's as talented as we typically see some two seeds. And when you look at the one and two lines, you're missing Michigan State, you're missing Kentucky, you're missing Duke, you're missing Kansas, you're missing four teams that are perennially at least a one or a two seed. You're missing North Carolina. You're missing five blue bloods that are perennially amongst those two seed lines. And that would be a big reason why Alabama is there this year. And I don't think just because those five blue bloods got worse that all of a sudden Alabama's talent just shot up there to fill the gap. That has not occurred. I think we are looking at a lower brand of basketball this year across the entire sport, especially when you're talking about just you know talent on teams and how some of these teams are playing like right now. It's It's been a topsy-turvy year. And you, I mean... Yes, I agree with you. It is a little bit lower brand of basketball this year, but I don't think that takes away from Alabama being a two seed. And if you're looking throughout the country, I think they are. They deserve to be a two seed. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be a two seed. I'm just saying they're worse than what we typically experience at that two line. I agree with that. And I mean, I think that's that shoots throughout the tournament. I don't want it to sound like you're just harping on Alabama. I think that shoots throughout the field. Yeah. Like the two seeds aren't what we have come to expect out of a two-seed Tennessee and Missouri were listed in those top 16 teams that the committee brought out about a month ago. You're you're 100% correct. We've, Buckle they up finally for, figured out about Missouri. They finally figured yeah, it out. Yeah, finally. They're all the way down to like the 10 line. But buckle up for upsets in this tournament outside of Baylor and Gonzaga. Mm. I mean, I agree with watch out for the upsets, but Baylor's beatable. I, I, I'm... I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced they're going to win their conference tournament. I'm still sold that Kansas is going to end up winning that. Is that more about that the Big 12 is such a good league? Yes, I think it is. Like I think the Big 12, I think the Big 12 is a good league. I think Kansas, if you want to play the opposite of what we we're talking about with Alabama, I think they're peaking at the right time and I think they're going into their their conference tournament pretty hot and also I I've yet to see Baylor bounce back in a 
consistent way from their COVID break. Has Alabama peaked too early? One word, yes or no? Yes. We'll be back with our number two of On the Line on the other side of this break. We'll keep that conversation going. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Stay with us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Back in just a moment. You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Garner, Levi Fitzwater in the studio with you in Auburn, Alabama. Hope everybody's having a good Friday so far. Hope everybody had a good week, and I wish you well into the weekend. We still got another hour in our show before we're headed off to the weekend. I, of course, my week continues. As, as does mine. That's right. Yeah, you, you you work the evenings, and then I'll uh, I'll be calling some Lee Scott baseball coming up at 5 p.m. as well. You can hear that locally on AU 100. Sounds a lot 100. more. 100.3 FM. That sounds a lot more fun than my work weekend. I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather be watching some baseball and calling that as well. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Lee Scott will be taking on Hardaway in the Border Wars and the annual Border Wars tournament uh, that Glenwood and uh, puts on every year and. It's, it's going to be some good baseball over the weekend. I'll be calling some baseball tomorrow. Still TBD on when and who will be the opponent tomorrow as well and when you'll be taking that team on. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Always enjoy getting on to the microphone and doing some play-by-play as well. And I'll tell you, man, I love baseball. It's well documented on this show that I love baseball, especially with how much we talk about it. We probably talk, talk about it as much as anybody does. And um, I'll tell you, it just it. I used to play baseball all my life growing up and – being away from the game now man it, it hits different to be at a baseball park and you, you know I, I don't know if it feels like that for people out there it hits it hits different to be at a baseball park and it probably hits different for whatever sport you played growing up that you get back around it it hits different if you I bet for you Levi you used to play basketball it probably hits different when you walk into a gym and you hear the familiar sounds and the smells and the, the squeaking of sneakers you yep. smell some popcorn in the stands it yeah, hurts it, it it makes you feel bad and when I see you know <laughs> When I'm at the baseball field and I see two, you know, kids who aren't playing carrying L screens, that's what I remember the most about my baseball career. <laughs> Look, carrying an L screen is a lot harder than it than you think it is. I mean, it's shaped like an L. It's not <laughs> geometrically sound. It's not aerodynamic. You have to have a partner that it's you cumbersome. can. You have to have a partner you can trust. A fellow bench warmer. Yeah, I could have made it to the pro leagues, you know, carrying L screens if I didn't blow my knee out. <laughs> I was one of the best in the states at carrying L screens. I promise. But what everybody, what, what, whatever everybody's got going on this weekend, I, I hope you all enjoy it and, and, and have a good weekend as well. But let's get started with our hour number two conversation. Going back to what we were talking about at the end of hour number one in our previous segment. If you missed any of the show or if you ever missed the show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. And what we were talking about, Alabama basketball have they peaked too early? Bracketology has them as the top two seed. Look, this year out of any, if we're going to have a two seed lose to a 15, it's this year. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I could see it. 
and I could see it with this Alabama team. And it's funny because people you, probably think I'm crazy, but well, I could can, see it with this Alabama you team. You could also see this Alabama team getting hot and going to the Final Four. That's just how that, that's, that's 100% that's true. A, that's just what the team is. They're a little bit inconsistent in terms of what they do from time to time, especially on the offensive end. They're a very beatable team at times. And then you look at times and they are flat out unguardable on the offensive end and they're going to run you out of the gym. It just depends on which Alabama team are we going to get. Are we going to see something similar to what we saw with Auburn in their final four run? But look, we everybody's making the comparison. It's there. There's a reason people are making that comparison because these teams are very similar in how they play and their makeup with veteran guard play and whatnot, as well as a little bit of a tempo and how they like to shoot the three ball. The thing is, Auburn had a game in their final four season that got them off the deck. It got them hot. We've yet to see that game for Alabama. I thought it might have was. I, I thought way back when they beat Georgia, like one fifteen to eighty two, I thought that it could have been that game. But since then, they've been cold. Only scored in the low sixties against Mississippi State. They really didn't look good offensively against Auburn either. If you don't look good offensively against Auburn, geez. And it's an improved Auburn defense, but I do agree with that. That's that's why you had the SEC tournament. At least that this is a chance for Alabama to get hot again, but. But if you lose in the tournament and you don't win the SEC tournament and you then can't lift yeah. that trophy up, you wonder where your confidence is at going into the postseason and you're playing in an unfamiliar area in the NCAA tournament. You're in a bubble scenario. And this year, like I said, out of any, considering everybody's going to the same place, everybody's going to the bubble in Indianapolis. You may not be playing in the same gym or location, but everybody's going to Indy. And it feels like with no fans, I don't think there are going to be fans, have you guys seen anything about fans yet? I haven't. I haven't looked it up. I maybe you said limited, limited. Limited is what Sting is telling us. Sting, right now. can you can you be our research department today and go find information on if there will be fans allowed at the NCAA tournament? It, regardless, though, even if there are limited fans, it's not going to make a difference. And it feels like the Wild West in the NCAA tournament this year because if it, it feels like anybody can come into this one location, it's like pickup basketball. You get your five, I'll get my five, we meet on the floor, let's go. And yes, it could work to the advantage of some of the better teams like we saw in the NBA in the NBA playoffs, but a five seed made the championship in the NBA playoffs. So, I, you know, the Heat made it. The Heat went through the playoffs and we saw some teams struggle. In the West, it went chalk with the Lakers, but... Who, who did the Lakers play in the Western Conference Finals this year? Why am I forgetting this? Was the it the Nugget. Clip? It was it the wasn't. Nuggets. Yeah, even the Clippers didn't make it that far. So I like we saw upsets in the bubble for the NBA playoffs. I I feel I feel as and this is maybe just the contrarian in me. I think because this year has been so wild, it's been so wacky and unpredictable, and you've had some ups and downs and no blue bloods. I think at the end of this tournament, it's going to be pretty chalk. It's either going to be chalk or you're going to see teams that are familiar to you. I don't think it's going to be too much parity at the end maybe at the beginning you're going to see a couple of wild upsets and whatnot I just have this weird feeling I have nothing to back this up this is just because this is the way the world works everybody is expecting this to be just upset field tournament because of the location you're in one central location you got a lot of teams that are not as good as their seating projects them as we're used to seeing and that just spells for the opposite to happen for me, which I hope it doesn't. I want to see a fun, upset-filled tournament because this is just a wild year in terms of basketball. Like what what we've seen, it's not the best year for a product outside of Gonzaga. So, and you know the other upper echelons, you know, get Baylor, who is 
very good, despite the fact that I think Kansas is going to end up beating them in the tournament. Very good basketball team. Michigan, Illinois. you got those top guys, but it's just after that, it's a bit of a drop-off after you get past the top-tier teams. Sting, have you got our uh, have have you got the answer to the capacity question? I do. Yeah, the NCAA said in a press release that they will allow up to twenty five percent capacity with physical distancing in all rounds and the final four. Okay, so there you go. I still don't think that's going to make a huge difference, though. This really feels like because it's all in one all in one location. You bring your five, I bring my five. We'll see. And um, depends how big the gym is. I think you know people may think that I'm a jerk for saying this, but like. And, and you know when you're filling out your bracket don't be that guy that has a 15 seed beating a two seed you know i i because the odds of it happening are pretty slim but and stings over here shrugging like he's that guy i didn't i, I thought we were closer than that sting um <laughs> look a couple of years ago i picked michigan state to win it all and they lost to a 15 seed in they the lost first to round. mtsu put respect on yeah. that name sir so, kermit davis I'll, t- I'll tell you i'll give you guys the best way to fill out your bracket so after this weekend when duke beat north duke beats north carolina and then they go on to win the acc tournament just go ahead and fill duke as the champion of this tournament and then just fill it out around that that's the best way to win that's your bracket you i promise that's how I do it every year. I've done one bracket before where my strategy was pick an upset in every seed line, except for uh, you didn't have to on the two, on the one or the two. But outside of that, I picked an upset on every seed line going all the way up to eight. It worked out all right. It worked out all right. Other years, I've, Levi, you know about this, the your, math your, formula. Your formula. I do remember the formula with the beautiful meme that. But the one produced. year, but the one year that you and I were in a bracket challenge together, that I used the formula, I finished last in the bracket challenge, and uh, I'm gonna bust the formula out this year. Always do. Some years it works better than others. There's no, there's no mathematical way to predict these games, but it typically generates like the favorite. It just doesn't work out that way in the NCAA tournament. The favorites don't always win, you know? I mean, because it, it's all statistical analysis and, and basing it off of that. I mean, it, it's a pretty good idea. But I, I'm not going to give away my formula yet. I'm going to make sure I use it to pick my bracket before I reveal any of my scientific secrets. But, uh, you know, we were talking about Alabama to open up this segment, and, and I was saying that people are going to think I'm a jerk. But, look, I could see Alabama losing to a 15 seed if the offense is dormant going into that ball game but on the flip side this Alabama defense what they have maybe even better than what that Auburn team had going into the final four they play defense lights out and that's why they keep winning these games consistently the SEC even though their offense is underperforming so the question I asked you at the end of the first hour was has this Alabama team peaked too early I think offensively they have but I don't know if the team itself has peaked too early all, all they're waiting on is for something to click, for some, for for the for the embers to burn again on the offensive end, and if they do, then they can go to the final four. If they don't, I still think with their defensive loan, they they can get to the Sweet Sixteen at least, possibly even to the Elite Eight on defense alone. I I agree with that. I think this defense that Alabama has is a very good defense, and I I mean they're playing at a high level. I'll agree with you offense i think peaked a little bit too early but that doesn't mean that they can't hit that peak again the offense is all about like if they're going to make it to the final four or you know forbid it a national championship if they make it that far then it's going to be because their offense got hot if not they will find someone that can outscore them just on that defense that defensive quality alone have you ever realized how the final four always has four teams 
That's just so crazy, man. Wow. What did you just say? <laughs> I just want to see your reaction on that one. You look so befuddled. <laughs> but <laughs> on a serious note, man, Alabama, this Alabama team, I can't see them getting beat by a 15 seed. I just can't see it. I think they're going to play too well. I don't think the 15 seeds are going to be able to hold up to Alabama. I really don't. Right now, Joe Lenardi's got them against Cleveland State. It may not end that way, but you all you all watch out. Guess who else is on that 15 line, according to Joe Lenardi? UMBC. One of the best Twitter accounts in the sports go f- industry. Go follow them. If you like funny sports things, go follow Are them. Are they still good? I is mean, it still a good account to follow? I stopped following them after the tournament run ended. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know if I still follow them or not, if I'm being honest. I I follow way too many accounts. They get what a tournament that was, though, because Loyola Chicago was a Final Four team that year. We had Sister Jean memes. What a Final Four that year. Watch out for Loyola Chicago this year, They're too. hot again, yeah. I mean, well, they, actually, haven't they cooled down recently? Have cooled they suffered a, a few losses? I think they've cooled down a little bit, but there's, I mean... It, yeah, they, forgive me, I don't watch Loyola Chicago on the regular... Let's see what we got here with Loyola Chicago going on. Yeah, I mean they Ken Palm still has them as an eleven. They're twenty two and four. I mean that's still a very good basketball team. They've won four straight and they're in the top twenty five right now. Hey Lance, how you doing, man? I just decided to pop in. He snuck in and just hopped in and started talking. I got scared. I just heard a voice out of nowhere. I heard Jaws back in the house. Welcome into Friday. Check and I just I just came from my my apartment just. So, so, so since you're fact, here. since you're fact checking us, can you fact check why the Final Four always seems to have four teams in it? I don't know. Why is that hey, the case? I'm it's right so here. Weird. And I mean, <laughs> think about this: March Madness. It typically happens in March, and I don't like that's just so mind blowing to me, really? dude. Noah, can I cut his mic off? Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> and just like you know how on ESPN, when you're watching around the horn, Levi, you've been muted for the remainder of this segment due to. Uh, I mean, you only got two minutes. You know, I, I think I'm good with that. Yeah, well, Lance, how you doing, man? Welcome into the show for the second hour. I'm doing all right. I heard y'all talking a little bit about Alabama's potential heading into uh, what say play. you? Um, y'all are talking a little bit about their defense. Just looking at them statistically, I mean, they're not they're not the best in the world. They gave up 81 to an Arkansas offense that is potent. So I feel like they will give up points to some of the better offensive teams if they do face one in the tournament. Not the best defensive team in the world. As far as offense goes, you know, these guys can do it in a variety of ways. I compare them often to Auburn's 2017 basketball team. You know, like Auburn was able to shoot the three really well, and on the nights they did, they would they would blow out teams. Um, as far as offensively for Alabama, they can do more than Auburn, that Auburn team could. They can get to the basket. They can score inside the perimeter. But the nights they do knock down the three, they're they're almost unbeatable. They're so, elite. So if they can knock down that three ball, I really I'm really interested to see what they do in the SEC tournament. If they can get that going again, this team is probably six Sweet 16, Elite Eight caliber just depending on matchups, but I, I think they're a team to watch. The NCAA tournament is not the place to try and like reignite. Auburn went on that Final Four run because of what they did in the SEC tournament that year. That's where it ignited. It started when Auburn came back against Alabama, like, and they went on that eight-game winning streak to head into postseason play. You got to get hot before, before postseason play. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl joining us for some college basketball picks. He arrived last segment just in time to flex on us during the break about how successful he was last week on his college (laughs) basketball picks. Back for some more. 
I am more than thrilled to give y'all some more expertise on basketball. I honestly, I think it went like six and three, six and four. I don't think it was that great, but it, it was it was a good week. Hey, I got the week. big one. I've called two upsets in a row. I got Virginia. I got Baylor. You hey, did call I'm the huge high. upset. I'm here for it. One of the first basketball games I ever went to with Lance, he was just like, yeah, I know a lot about basketball. <laughs> you well, you you kind of drug it out of me. I was pointing out different things, and you're like, "Oh, so you know you know a lot about basketball?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, yeah, I kind of do." And then just here we go. Time for some college basketball picks. Sting, hit that hot key, my man. Let's get the jams going. All right, here we go. Time for college basketball picks. We'll try to do four in this segment, and then four in the next. And we'll uh, we'll have Auburn Mississippi State pick in this segment as well, and we'll we'll kind of center on that one a little bit longer than some of the others. But number eleven, Florida State at Notre Dame, eleven a.m. ESPN two, and that is tomorrow. That is tomorrow. I'm gonna take uh, Florida State to win that game. I really like Florida State as a basketball team. I feel like they're very round. They have a really good coach. They're solid, and I don't see Notre Dame winning that game. Hold on. What does their really round mean? Really round is like whenever I talk about like teams like Alabama and like 2017 Auburn, they can do specific things really well, but then also they're terrible defensively. They can't really shoot well inside the arc. Whenever I say a team like Florida State is round, I mean like they play good defense. They play good offense. They're, they're, well, they're well-rounded. They're, they're well-rounded. <laughs> it's dramatic. There you they're, go. It's dramatic. I'm going to agree with him. I, I'm going to agree with him. This Florida State team, they're round as can be. They're round. Leonard Hamilton and them boys got them playing right. They're always super athletic. They are. They always, have, they always have length. They, that's, the, that's, the word of the, that's the word of the second. They're always round and super athletic with length. And I, they, they play well this time of year. I think they're a sneaky dark horse team for the tournament, if I'm being honest. I think they can make a deeper run. I like him. Ken Palm's got him at nine. I think this is a mismatch. I'm not big on Notre Dame basketball this year. Did you just say a mismatch? Dramatic. I was trying to say mixed match, but uh, Lance got me flushed over here with round. This is an unprecedented time on On the Line. We've had two words added to our word list, which at the end of the year, if people are not familiar with our word list, if you're currently listening, our word list is going on across the whole year. And at the end of the year, I'm going to... You know, look, everybody, everybody's favorite announcer has messed up at some point and, and, you know, has a mosh posh of a word. And we've got a list of those that we've had throughout the show. And those, we've got, you called someone round. Lance, also to your name, you've got dramatic. Yep. Levi, you've done a pleasing and well, monumentous. Okay, so a pleasing wasn't on the show. I did that outside of the show, but I did it. And then monumentous when I was trying to say monumental. And then mismatch. When I was trying to say Mitch, I can't even say it now. I'm pretty sure you said mismatch. mismatch. I was trying to say that. mismatch, and I just absolutely so got butchered mismatch. the English language. <laughs> I'm sorry. And mix match? Wow. I have yet to get on the list. You Point said, pride. Some, you said break something. You, eventually. <laughs> you said something one day. I thought. Everyone breaks one day. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna go. You're gonna. You're gonna break good with us. You know who's not gonna break? Florida State. Leonard yep. Hamilton and the boys. They're going to smash Notre Dame at 11 a.m. on ESPN2 tomorrow, so a clean sweep there. Number 17, Oklahoma State at number 6, West Virginia, 1 p.m. ESPN2. You know I have a really hard time picking against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Oklahoma State is a sneaky good basketball team. I believe they have lost a couple in a row. No, they lost to Baylor just last night, but I, I, I did watch that game. They were solid, not enough, to obviously, to beat a top-five team in the country. I am going to pick West Virginia to win this game. Uh, Mountain Mama, I believe, will come through for me again. I got them with the upset pick just a week or so ago. So go Mountaineers. 
I'm going to agree with him there. I, I was leaning towards Oklahoma State because they had been playing well as of lately outside of that Baylor game. I don't. I just can't envision West Virginia dropping this game at home. They lost a very tough one to Baylor earlier this week. I think they're going to bounce back, and I think they're going to get Oklahoma State. But I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a really good, close game to watch. You know what's interesting about all this? We still don't know if Oklahoma State is eligible to play in the postseason. Really? Good, they're good they're job, working NCAA. on their ban, and the NCAA, they appealed their ban, and the NCAA still has not told them whether or not they're going to be allowed to play in the postseason. Wow. Let me let me give you something. Kate, Kate Cunningham's on this team. They're going to be in the tournament. I don't know. I can see the NCAA fumbling this thing away, though. That is true. They, they are pretty incompetent in most situations. <laughs> <laughs> Lenardi's got him as a four seed right now, though, in his bracketology, so if that accounts for anything. I'm going to take West Virginia this one. I, like Lance, have a hard time picking against the Mountaineers from Morgantown. Especially at home. Especially when they're at oh, home. Yeah. It's really hard to pick against them. That's... But it allows them to get into their style of play, which is... Very much so, like that 40 minutes of heck that Arkansas put on display way back in the day. Their defense has pressed you all over the floor. It's helter-skelter, left and right. You will have a man on you from somewhere. And sometimes that can translate to a lot of fouls. Sometimes that can hurt you for offensive functionality. Sometimes it can make you dysfunctional on offense. But this West Virginia team, they are, they're on fire. And they're, they're trying to get onto that one line. I don't think it's going to happen for them. But I think that West Virginia is the best two seed that we see on anybody's on anybody's bracketology right now, I'm asking myself, how in the world does Joe Lenardi think that Alabama is a better basketball team than West Virginia right now? I agree. I agree. I don't know. Like, what are you watching, dude? <laughs> I know you're taking into account, like, the resumes of the two teams, and Alabama's got a sexier record, but still, what are you watching, dude? He's not watching Mountain Mama enough. Speaking no, of sir. Alabama, number eight Alabama at Georgia, 1 p.m. CBS. Last time these two teams met, Alabama set records for points. Does Georgia get one back? Well, last time we uh, we I, I picked a Georgia game. I believe it was Florida and Georgia, and my take was that Georgia didn't have enough consistent offense to win a game on the road uh, against a team like Florida, and, and that proved to be true. I feel like that's going to be the same case again. I don't feel like they have enough consistent offense to win at home against a team like Alabama who can shoot the lights out of it. Love your point there because at home, last two games, they play LSU and beat them 91-78. to They turn around and lose – to South Carolina, 91-70. to Once again, what are you doing, dude? What are you watching? Inconsistency. This Georgia team is so frustrating in terms of just how inconsistent they really are. I think this game might be a little bit closer just because I don't know what Alabama offense is going to show up. But every, I'm, I'm going to take the tide. I think it's easy. I think they're going to win. How much? By how much? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to come out and play lights out. I just don't right. think Georgia can... Consistent, like I don't think Georgia can keep up with Alabama. If I'm being honest, I think the question is how much does Alabama care, and how much does Georgia care? I don't know if they're fighting. Alabama for has the one seed locked down. And then, as for Georgia, are they fighting for seeding in the SEC tournament? If they are, then I would I would say I would say this game would be really close. No, I don't think they are. No. I mean, you also got to think well, Alabama still Alabama still trying to sneak into that one line. They're I mean, behind if Kentucky. Other chaos happens. Right. They're behind Kentucky right now, who's taking on South Carolina this weekend, which I think will be a dub for Kentucky which would keep Kentucky ahead of Georgia in the standings. Mississippi State 8-9, depending on what happens there as well. There could be a three-way tie of three 8-10 teams. Ole Miss, though, that none of those teams will get ahead of Ole Miss unless Mississippi State were to beat Auburn. So it does kind of depend there. But if there are three 8-10 teams, then Georgia is going to be mired there. They cannot be surpassed by South Carolina, who's behind them at 4-11. So... Mm-hmm. 
don't know if there's a whole lot at stake in this game. Right. Something in me wants to pick Georgia to win this game. I, I felt that, but it's just because you felt it in the force. Well, it's just because they're inconsistent. And you're like, well, they might show up and give Alabama a game. Well, you saw what Seville, Severe Wheeler did against LSU just a couple of games ago. Triple double. We may see some. We may see some offense from Georgia t- uh, tomorrow night. Basically, you're asking me to pick. Can this Georgia team score on Alabama's defense? If they can, they got a shot because I don't know if Alabama's offense is waking up just yet, especially on the road in Athens. Look, I don't think this Alabama basketball team is playing very good right now. I am going to make a Baylor-like upset pick like you had last week. I'll take Georgia to win this game. Top 10 win. Wow, I like it. Let's go. They're not going to take too kindly to the fact that Alabama dropped 115 on them last time either. So I I think there is something for Georgia to play for in this game after they got thumped. I like it. But it's it's kind of been been an every other game trend for Georgia too from an offensive standpoint. 80 on Missouri, 63 against Florida, 91 on LSU, 70 against South Carolina. If the trend continues, this is the game they win. I like it. I like it. I, I wouldn't Let's be surprised spicy, if that happens. I wouldn't be surprised that happens. I like it. I I'm like not it. mad at that. I appreciate I res- it. I respect it. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I'm calling fan support here in the studio. Well, Stan, ne- what do you think about it? You never go wild with the upset sometimes. Alabama, Georgia? I, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think I would probably pick Alabama, though. Well, of course, um, the three quarters of the room did. I appreciate it, Steve. <laughs> uh, last pick here. We'll do the Auburn pick now. Mississippi State at Auburn, 12 p.m. SEC Network. What's the betting line look like, Levi? Actually, they haven't released the lines yet. I, I was trying to hawk Gross. all. I know I was hawking all day trying to find stuff. I literally could not find lines anywhere for Saturday's games. It might have updated since then, but earlier in the day, I was trying to find stuff. Literally, could not find it anything if i was to take a nothing on guess, espn about it right now either. yeah nothing say, on cbs either i've been looking at all these yeah games. it's no weird lines. it's a no lines for anything on saturday it's weird i thought maybe it was just me and i was incompetent at uh, using the internet and google but it does seem there's no lines if i was to take a wild guess i would say auburn would be somewhere between like three and a half maybe three and then if if sharif cooper plays that that's where i think that kind of goes at we're about to we're, we're coming up on a hard break so i got to get quick picks from you guys here Lance, I'm going to take Auburn to win with or without Shreve Cooper. I feel like Auburn wants this win and needs this win. We saw what they did against Tennessee whenever there was nothing really at stake. I think Auburn comes out and beats an an offensively inept Mississippi State squad. Agreed. Auburn with or without Shreve. With or without Sharif sounds like a sounds like a little bit like the U2 song, <laughs> with or without you. With or without Sharif. See, we'll we'll we'll, cha- we'll change it though to I can win <laughs> with or without Sharif. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I'll take Auburn in this one as well, with or without Sharif Cooper. At home, they're going to be more comfortable. They're going to be more confident, which is going to help them out with their offensive ineptitude without Sharif Cooper on the floor. I don't think we see Sharif play in this game, but I still think they figure it out enough. Mississippi State's going to grind them, though. Auburn needs to get it done at the free throw line. If they do that, they're going to win this game, and it'll be a similar result to that Tennessee game. But that's that's kind of the trajectory you're looking at. And the trajectory of the rest of our show, we got 30 minutes left. Stay with us here on On the Line. We'll have more college basketball picks coming up on the other side of this break. Four more games coming your way. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Daw in the studio with us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Also find the app on the, uh, the App Store for iTunes. You can go and find the Radio Alabama Sports app. All of that great content there at your fingertips on your Apple device. You know you want to go and download that app. It's, it's easy. And then uh, also leave us a review as well. Continuing on with these college basketball picks, Sting hit that hot key again, my man. We got four more picks for you here. We went through our first four. We're now at 1 p.m. ESPN, a game that is near and dear to my heart that you guys actually probably didn't know this about me, but I love me some Indiana hoops. Indiana Hoosiers, baby, at the number 23 Purdue Boilermakers big-time rivalry game. Indiana has not had the best track record against Purdue lately, but uh, and Indiana has not had a, a great year this year either, but a chance to close it out on, on, a, on a bright spot going well, I, into the Big Ten tournament. I hate to do this to you. I understand. But I cannot pick Indiana in this game because I've watched a little bit of Indiana basketball recently. They've lost four straight. Purdue has won four straight. They are now in the top 25. I cannot pick against but the Boilermakers. But that means these teams are due for the opposite result, right? Oh, that's true. <laughs> you I guess think about I that. guess I'm taking Law Indiana. Averages. <laughs> no, but I can't pick against the Boilermakers heading into the tournament. Uh, I think that I think this is the perfect time for them to get hot. It's a solid basketball team, very round, as one Lance Dahl might say. <laughs> um, so I, I gotta I gotta go with Purdue. Are, are are they really though? It seems like Purdue maybe lacks a little bit in the offense department. Yeah, I can. See, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. I was just saying that more for the bit. As far as like <laughs> <laughs> defensively, though, Boilermakers, one of the best teams in the country. Then again, they are 18th in adjusted offensive efficiency according to KenPom.com. They're 273rd in tempo. Maybe that's why they only average 71 a game. Maybe. That's actually a pretty efficient offensive team. Efficient if you're you know yeah. at the tempo that they're playing. Right, KenPom's also Virginia. a big fan of them. Maybe. I think they're at 14th on his uh, outright rankings. Maybe they are a little round. Hmm. Pretty pretty round team. Pretty round team. <laughs> I'm not going against the Boilermakers. Woo woo! We boiling up in here, baby. Do it. Do it, Noah. Do I'll, the pick. I'll be Do real. It, Noah. That's one of the best noises though that you've made when you've made a pick. Typically, I <laughs> groan when you when you do a, a pig noise or, or or yeah or a wildcat or something. It sounds nothing like it. All about but all aboard the wind train. Woo woo! Do you did you pick Purdue because you didn't know what a Hoosier was and you didn't know what n- noise to do for that, or did you pick Purdue because you think Purdue is actually going to win? I picked Purdue because I think they're actually going to win. But, but you, you don't know what noise you do for for an Indiana Hoosier. You're right. You caught me. I don't know what I don't know what you don't noise know what I would a Hoosier do. is. To be honest, I don't know what a Hoosier is. I don't either. Fun fact time: a Hoosier is just what you call someone from the state of Indiana. Oh. Sting wanted me to call on him. Sting, what's up, man? Stole my thunder. (laughs) Oh, Sting was ready. He knew it. That's why the movie Hoosiers is called Hoosiers, because it's about an Indiana high school. Overrated basketball movie. Woo! We got some more hot takes. Noah, you want to pick Indiana? No, I don't. I want to pick Purdue. Purdue's going to win, but I will be wearing my Indiana basketball jersey. I respect that. See, I've actually got a jersey. Like, come on. That's dope. Is it custom? Uh, it is not. It is just. Uh, it's a number seventeen jersey. Very cool. Though. And uh, no name on the back, but it's authentic. It's authentic. Very cool. Keep it going here. LSU at Missouri, two p.m. SEC Network. Uh, this is the game I did not want you to, to ask me about because this is this is a toss up. Both teams have gone like win loss, win loss. This isn't hard for me whatsoever. LSU. 
Mm, but LSU. Missouri is inept on the offensive side. I agree with that LSU, Missouri. Okay, yeah, you say that. You got to think. Me and Noah, we're the most Missouri haters out there for basketball. That's we call, so true. We were man. on the train so of calling them frauds before they fell, when everybody was in love with them, and we were the first on that hill. And it dropped off. They rolled off that hill. They they are not round. That was our, but they rolled they down the round. hill. That was our best take of the year because we were on it before everybody else. You know. I'm gonna be honest. Come on, come on, come come join us. Missouri, Missouri ain't ain't doing so well right now, but I'm gonna pick the Missouri Tigers to win this basketball game. Kick him out of the studio. I'm gonna push up, push back Mute a little bit. Too. I think I think Drew Smith will have the game of his life. That why? Is my take. What, uh, what? What? Why do you think he's gonna have the game of his life? I don't know. Uh, I don't feel like LSU's playing the best defense right now. That was that was awesome. I don't feel like <laughs> LSU's playing the best defense right now. Uh, they've kind of they've kind of shown the ability to just give up on that end of the floor. Even though they just held Vanderbilt to sixty eight. Van- that's Vanderbilt. It's but they, Vanderbilt. They're actually not that bad of an offensive <laughs> team though. It's Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt. I'm taking Missouri to win this game. I think Missouri is going to have going to have some 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 good things to do on offense with uh, Theo Pinson and Drew Smith. I love this LSU offense. I love it. They score all over the place, borderline unstoppable. This Missouri defense, not bad. That's like that's the hallmark of Conzo Martin. But LSU offense, that these these Missouri teams, these types of teams like Missouri, that like to play the game a little bit slower and are really predicated on defense. They struggle when they play teams like LSU. I think LSU outscores them, and I think that's where Levi stands as well. Or Levi just likes to call teams frauds. I mean, yeah, they, they are both. they are frauds, and I'm definitely going to go with LSU. <laughs> going with the Tigers, baby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was not a Tiger. Yes, that, that was not. I'll be your Tiger. <laughs> okay, let's let's get away from that. Duke at North Carolina, 5 p.m. ESPN. Mute them again. Uh, Duke, North Carolina. I'm going to take North Carolina to win this game. Uh, Duke, not not. This isn't. This is. Oh, we talked about this a week or so ago about Kansas. This is not a typical blue blood Duke team. North Carolina, not a typical blue blood North Carolina team, but North Carolina, I feel like, is the better team this season. I think Andrew, I think it's Bacot is how you say it. I think he's going to have a good game today. Baycott. Baycott, he's been playing solid even in the loss to Syracuse just a couple of days ago. He did have a double double, uh, solid player. I think North Carolina gets it done. I think this is the easiest game to pick on the schedule. It's obviously going to be Duke. It's, Duke <laughs> is going to come in here. You got to think. Week. You got to think. Week. They are two and two in, on the season this year. Two and two, and the only two losses this year have come in overtime to two tournament teams right now in Georgia Tech and Louisville. So you know, an easy four game year for Duke since Jalen Johnson left the program. That's when the season actually started. You got Mark Williams. <laughs> so who they're is, a 500 team. They're worse than they are overall. Right. Is what it, it is. What it is. But they've got a good win in that against Virginia. Mark Williams provided a lot of a, a lot of just pure energy coming off the bench. North Carolina dominated the paint the first time. I think Mark Williams is going to provide that spark that they need down low, allow Duke to stay in this game, get the win, and then get some momentum going on to the ACC tournament. Oh, by the way, which they're going to walk away with easy. I can't wait for this Duke season to end with a losing record. <laughs> I can't wait. Get bounced out of the incident. Uh, well, yes, out of the incident tournament, but bounced out of the ACC tournament in the first round lose to North Carolina here in the last game of the regular season and then lose to the ACC tournament they'll finish with a losing record at 11 and 12 overall I don't know who their ACC tournament opponent is but I'm just hoping main reason for that is it is an absolute sham that Duke right now is on the bubble among the first four out as are an they 11 really? and they oh. are as a team that is 11 and 10 overall an absolute sham they beat Virginia it doesn't matter defending national champs for Virginia they beat them it is an absolute sham. They're on a two-game losing streak to Georgia Tech and Louisville. Two tournament teams and both in overtime could have went either way. 
Georgia Tech Just is tell not me a, when I can mute him and I will. Georgia Tech is on the they're they're the last You're enjoying that power too much, Stan. I am. They're, Back away. They're the last four in, according to Joe Lenardi, Georgia Tech and Louisville are. Ah oh, gosh. Or I, I think they're actually first four buys. I don't think they're last four. They I are, think they're first they're four last buys. Four buys. I can't yeah, stand they're it. La- that's what I meant. Last four buys, I think that's what it's how bad college basketball is this year. Somehow Georgia Tech made its way to the NCAA tournament. That's, that's a good team. They beat Instead Duke. of Duke. They beat Duke, who <laughs> probably should be a number two seed. They beat Kentucky 08. <laughs> Y'all laugh until Kentucky wins the SEC tournament next week. <laughs> that's actually going to happen. <laughs> I, uh, that is I, going I, have, to happen. I have full faith that that's going to happen. We'll get there when we get there, though. We derailed the show. I'm sorry. North Carolina wins. Defense is the is the main thing for me here, and now they're on their home floor. I feel a lot better about in this rivalry, the home team protecting their home floor, especially this year where both teams aren't too great. Duke feeling unsure of themselves right now on the offensive end. It took OT just for them to get into the 70s in their last two games. This matchup, I feel like, favors North Carolina. This one, Garrison Brooks, ain't nobody dominating that Auburn boy down low. It's not happening. Last game to pick here, the game of the weekend. Number four, Illinois at number seven, Ohio State, 3 p.m. ESPN. Oh, this is another tough game. A couple of teams that have just kind of, gosh, it's so weird. Whenever I came in here the other day and I said Illinois was not a top five team, they what then have pre- they done? I was like, what did they do after you said that? wrong, sir. Well, they proceeded to lose that game that they were playing, and then they, they went on a three-game winning streak. They beat Nebraska. They beat Wisconsin, who is no longer a top 25 team, and they beat Michigan 76 to 53 on the road. How do you pick against Illinois in this game? I don't I don't see how you can. I I was one of the first people to say that I didn't think Ohio State was really a one seed at least in talent. No. And they're off the line now. They're on to the two line. I like this Illinois team as well. Levi Ohio State's dropped, what, three straight? Illinois hotter than they are? Someone I, in orange and blue has to win this weekend, right? That is, I mean, why that's not? True. Why not the fighting Illini? It's hard for me to go with it. I mean, I'm going to look around on this game. I don't know. Auburn, Auburn's in orange and blue. They're going to win this year. Um, I, I'm this, actually, year. this year. They're going to win <laughs> this year. <laughs> this this Saturday. Good Lord. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to go with Ohio State in this game. I think they're going to bounce back and actually win after coming off three straight losses. I think they're too talented of a team. To, to take end. four L's in a row. Uh, yeah, I think they're too talented to do that. They beat Illinois once this year, which might you know provide momentum for Illinois. But that makes sense. I think Ohio State at home, I think they're too talented to go out on four straight. If they lose four straight, then I'm definitely selling any Ohio stock in this tournament. Law of averages is a powerful thing. It's a powerful yep. thing. I, I, I get it. I really do. Those are our college basketball picks that we've got for you. I want to revisit this Auburn-Mississippi State game before uh, before we go to break here. Uh, we're all taking the Tigers to win that ball game. We feel confident, kind of on a scale of 0 to 5. How confident are you? I'd give it, honestly, my honest opinion, I'd give it about a 2. I want Auburn to win this game. Just, per, just selfishly, as an Auburn fan, I want Auburn to win this game against Mississippi State. The numbers reflect that Auburn should win this game with or without Sharif Cooper, uh, like like the U2 song says. But, uh, <laughs> you know, against a team like Mississippi State, I, I, I don't know. I just I have an uneasy feeling about it, but I want it to happen. I'm zero. going two as well. I'm going zero. zero. You're not confident at all. I'm not confident. It's, it feels like it should happen, but, I mean, I'm, I haven't seen consistency. I'm not confident. Can they get a stop? Fine, then. I'll try and offset this. Give me three. We'll be back on the other side of this break. <laughs> on the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. 
Wrapping up our number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you in the studio. Before we wrap up the final seven minutes of the show, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Welcome to the weekend, everybody. It's Friday, and that means a new episode of Shark Tank on ABC at 7. Head over to AMC at 7 and catch the original Ghostbusters movie. Clear eyes, full pans, can't lose. Who said the Gold Rush ended? A new two-hour episode of Gold Rush on Discovery at 7. You'd think after two movies, they'd stop messing with Liam Neeson. Taken 3 is on FX Movies at 7.05. Speaking of people you shouldn't mess with, John Wick Chapter 2 is on Sci-Fi at 6.30. A pair of Indiana Jones movies are on Paramount starting at 5.30 with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and at 8, The Last Crusade is on. Get Friday Night College Basketball started at 5 on ACC Network with Boston College at Miami. Following that game on ACC Network at 7, it'll be Georgia Tech at Wake Forest. Over on ESPNU at 7 as well, catch Jacksonville State at Belmont. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. About seven minutes out from the end of our show, ESPN 106.7 truly is Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We now feature seven straight hours of live local sports talk from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. every weekday. The Max Roundtable with Doug Amos and Charlie Trotman airs 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. On the line with Noah Gardner right here with you guys right now. Follows from 2 to 4. And then the drive with Bill Cameron, which is coming up after us. That will finish strong from 4 to 6 p.m. every weekday. No one offers you more live local sports talk than ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. We're going to wrap up the show here talking some Auburn baseball, get some picks out for Auburn baseball this weekend against top 25 Boston College. And uh, everybody's baseball team, every university, when they put out their press releases, is going to use the rankings that have them ranked highest because there's a ton of different baseball polls. None really official. There's like no AP top 25 baseball poll, you know. But uh, Boston College at number 18 in their highest ranking. Auburn at number 22. I saw some D1 baseball picks, some D1baseball.com picks. And a friend of the program, Aaron Fitt, he's been on the show with us before. One of their national writers is picking Auburn in that one as well as Kendall Rogers, two of their editors, their main editors on D1baseball.com. Those two picking Auburn. It's pretty split, though. Others Mm. picking Boston College. I think that's fair. This, This is a tight, tight, tight series to pick. I'm terrified of it because it could really delegitimize Auburn in my eyes moving forward. But uh, a fun weekend nonetheless for uh, every we- every game this weekend to, to really be – it would be on par for every game to be, to be a good one. Well, I think my concern for Auburn is this is a Boston College team that has shown the ability to go on the road and win big games against good competition, i.e. Their, their two wins over Duke – just a uh, a week or so ago who was ranked number 11 who was ranked number 11 in the country as far as auburn is concerned though for them my worry is that they're not getting enough production from their best pitchers meaning i would like to see better things from richard fitz during this this series i hope we see that if we don't this could be a really tough time for auburn i'm gonna agree with you on that richard fitz is the one that i'm looking forward to seeing how he handles what happened last weekend the most against a good opportunity it's a good opportunity for him to showcase what people are touting him as in a top MLB prospect I want to see him come out there and play well for the team I want to see consistent hitting not just in spurts not going on a 10 inning scoreless streak I want to see consistent hitting throughout the weekend and I want to see what the pitching rotation is going to do against a very good Boston College team 
looking at the mainstay guys in the Boston College order, there, there's eight guys in the Boston College order. Yes, there's eight guys in the Boston College lineup that, that are regulars. Only two of them bat lower than 250. Four of them bat above 300. And one of them is on his way to 500. He's at 469, and he's a Golden Spikes Award watch list member Sal Freelich, an outfielder. And as we said earlier, he very well could frolic across the diamond with uh, with an outstanding offensive weekend. But you guys are spot on. The challenge this weekend, I think, is for the Auburn pitchers, maybe even a little bit more so maybe uh, than the Auburn lineup going against what Boston College. Now, Boston College has some decent arms, but uh, I think the challenge maybe that they're faced with is a little bit more what these Boston College bats could do to the Auburn pitchers in terms of damaging the scoreboard. Especially when you're as depleted as the Auburn pitching staff is at the moment. You want to see some of these guys take up because if a guy like Trace Bright comes out and plays well, you know, pitches well again, he could see himself into the weekend rotation, bumping Barnett back into more of a closer role, which we've seen him. If we see Richard Fitz come out and perform well, or if he performs poorly again, say say in a hypothetical, Richard Fitz comes out, plays poorly, then Trace Bright plays well. Then you might have to sit there and think, do we need to move Richard Fitz back into a relief role? Do we need to bump Trace Bright up into the role that Richard Fitz has been playing and so on? It's important. It's it's going to be a good test to see where this Auburn team is. This is what do you got? You said it earlier. This is the what do you got this series. This isn't a baseline series. You, a, you've already gotten yeah. that one. You've already gotten the measuring stick. This is like how do you respond to getting punched in the gut, getting punched in the face, getting punched on the scoreboard? Auburn yep. lost in different ways this past weekend. Gut, you know, adversity lost Oklahoma on Friday, and then just an absolute mauling on Saturday, and then they responded well on Sunday and at least took a win against an SEC opponent. The game's coming up at 4 p.m., first pitch Friday right here. It's coming up in six minutes. Richard Fitz is going to be the starter. He's probably getting ready to warm up in just a few minutes. He's probably already been warming up out of the pen, ready to head out there for that first inning of work. 6.75 ERA for Richard Fitz going against junior righty Mason Pelio for Boston College, who's 1-1 one one with a 6 ERA. So numbers favorable today on the Hill. You'd like to see Ritz. Uh, you'd like to see Fitz. Have, Ritz. Uh, yeah, Ritz. Combine the names, Ritz. There we go. We've, I told you, everybody's, not, bound, everybody's not, bound to break. That does not go on the Ritz. list. I'm counting Ritz. That. No. I'm counting that. People aren't going to understand what that even... I mean, the Ritz is a word, like Ritz crackers. Good crackers. Solid solid crackers. Yeah, a bit overrated on the cracker department. Well, I think premium's the best, but you know... That's, yeah, I mean, premium's gold standard of crackers. Back to baseball, anyway. Saturday, well, you may eat these at a baseball game. You never know. Saturday, sophomore righty Mason Barnett will get the start for Auburn. He's got 169 ERA going against Emmett Sheehan, a 1.5 ERA. And then on Sunday, Trace Bright, 0.82 for the Tigers going against Joe Vetrano, 2.45 ERA. Boston College has two solid weekend pitchers. It's time for picks here before we get out of here. we got two minutes left. Lance? I'm going to say Auburn wins today, loses tomorrow, and then Sunday is a Trace Bright flex game. Calling it right now. I'm going to go bold. I think Auburn today, I think they're going to wear the white pinstripes. And then I think Boston College wears their gray uniforms. That's what I'm picking for Friday. Saturday, I think they might drop that one. I think they win Sunday. So who wins the series? Auburn. Auburn wins the series okay. for sure. I'll take Auburn two out of three as well. I think they win tonight, Friday. Richard Fitz with a bounce back. I think they lose tomorrow. I like that pick because 
Auburn's going to be going off the bullpen. I think at the moment right now with Auburn's arms depleted due to injuries, I like Boston College's pen statistically right now with some of those team ERAs. That's something we haven't dug into a whole lot. They got some good arms in the pen. I like Auburn against uh, on Sunday, though, with Trace Bright, who's really, I'm hoping, is coming into his own because that would be huge for this Auburn staff moving forward if he emerges as a weekend guy. So we're all on the same page. We all think. Two out of three. We think Friday, Friday, Friday and Sunday, Sunday, and then Saturday. And I, I mean, we're all with Lance on this as well. We think Trace Bright's going to come out and play well. And we'll all come back Monday maybe and talk about how thinking, right we are. But- no. Yes. And maybe maybe we're wishful I thinking. I like that. I'm going to come do a victory lap around this when we come in on Monday like that. Monday, as Lance said, we're all going to come in here and talk about how right we are. <laughs> you boys Join heard us. it here first. <laughs> That's right. Join us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on Monday. But that does it for another edition of On the Line and the end of our week. We're headed to the weekend. Hope everybody enjoys it. Enjoy the drive with Bill Cameron following us. We'll see you on Monday. You know where to find us.